Hello and welcome back to Cinema Wellman. I'm your host, David. And it's time for a countdown, and you know how we love countdowns here. Uh, today's episode, we're going to take a look at February's screenings, the top 10 and the bottom five. Once again, another busy month here at Cinema Wellman. Over 100 movies screened in February. Thank you, Insomnia. Um, 18 of this month's uh, films were 2023 Oscar nominees and were therefore ineligible for inclusion in February's featured 15. Uh, this year's nominees have been ineligible the last couple of months because next week's episode will be all about the upcoming Oscars. We're going to break down each category and share you know, who we'd vote for if the Academy was silly enough to give us a vote. We hope that you will join us for that nonetheless. But before we go there, let's take a look at what stood out to us this month. As always, we will be starting at the bottom. Number five in the bottom five is from 1964, Where Love Has Gone. Uh, The best original song nominee, Bugaboo, once again is to blame as I was forced to sit through this ripped from the headlines, but we're going to deny any similarities melodrama. Cast is pretty solid. I usually like movies directed by uh, Edward Dimtrick, but but this was terrible. Um, It's a thinly veiled dramatization of the 1958 incident in which uh, actress Lana Turner's daughter, Cheryl Crane, stabbed Turner's lover, Johnny Stampanato, to death. Great real-life criminal name there, by the way. Um, She was acquitted based on the fact that she was protecting her mother. She testified that Stampanato routinely beat Lana Turner, and uh, her daughter feared that he was going to kill her this time. Um, I'm sure the headlines were all about that lurid Hollywood tale in 1958, but a movie that's kind of about it six years later isn't going to rate as current in any world. This is a silly, overacted melodrama at best soap opera level. Some of the uh, performances are actually comical. Um, number four, and if, you've, if you're a regular here at Cinema Wellman, you, you will recognize uh, from 2022, Top Gunner, Danger Zone. So I'm not going to go into any detail about it since that was our last episode and it was fully dedicated to everything that was wrong with uh, uh, Top Gunner, Danger Zone, and number three on today's list, uh, Jurassic Domination. Um, you can read about it on the blog, cinemawellman.com, in case you missed it. Or watch the episode or listen to it, uh, you know, on the YouTube or the Spotify. Uh, <laughs> all the episodes are available there. Uh, so number three is also from 2022. It's Jurassic Domination. And again, uh, it went through the official rubric, the which was worse rubric, and um, it came out ahead, below, I don't know, figure that out for yourself, but it earned the spot nonetheless. Number two on the bottom five this month is from 1946, and it is Walt Disney's Song of the South. Um, I found it hard to believe that this movie was nowhere to be found in the official archives when I assembled my Oscar nominations watch list. Um, I must have seen bits and pieces, quite possibly the entire thing as a kid, but uh, since it was never added to any ledger, it wasn't official, and that's how I began my database that now includes, you know, over 8,000 titles that I've seen. Um, My my rules once again steer me toward something that should be skipped 
um, at any cost. I, I'm not going to go into any depth as to explain why it's on this list. If you're familiar with the movie, you know why it's here. Uh, the fact that the movie is possibly permanently locked in the Disney vault uh, meant that I needed to find it elsewhere. Uh, and yikes, it is it is as bad as I figured it was going to be. Um, after I rewatched the old Disney vault uh, SNL cartoons, the TV Funhouse, the Smiling cartoons, uh, it's fantastic. One of my favorites. I'm all for uh, anything that's anti-Disney, as you may know. Um, which brings us to number one. What was the worst film that we endured uh, in the month of February here at Cinema Wellman? Well, it's from 1981, and it is titled Endless Love. Damn you, Lionel Richie. Damn your Oscar-nominated best original song, Endless Love, from the film Endless Love. Damn you all. This movie was almost impossible to sit through. I don't know where to start since the entire enterprise is ridiculous and offensive. If, if you've got the stomach for it, go to IMDb and just watch the trailer. I just did that before I wrote the blog, and it reminded me of just about every reason why I hated this movie so much. Poor Brooke Shields, for starters. I have nothing against her. I, I never have had anything against Brooke Shields, her mother, on the other hand, a uh, train wreck. Um, and that train didn't care what kind of potentially harmful situations they put their daughter into while making her decisions. Um, the director uh, created Brooke's sexual pleasure by squeezing her toe out of frame and yuck. Uh, so this junk is chock full of creepy moments, but hands down, the creepiest involves parental voyeurism. So underage Brooke Shields, her character is 15, and her creepy possessive boyfriend, who's 17 in the movie, are having sex in front of a raging fire. Her mom hears noises. Oh, mom's home. I didn't mention that. The parents are home. Her brother's at home. Everyone's home. Full house. So mom hears the noises, gets out of bed, starts down the stairs, sees exactly what's happening, and she sits and watches them. And so I don't I don't even know where to go from there. She's got this kind of creepy smile on her face. Again, her daughter's 15. Um, in any event, um, the creepy boyfriend wears this same exact powder blue number 33 football jersey for a majority of of his scenes, even though the movie takes place over several years. There is zero explanation about this ridiculous costume choice, distracting and laughter-inducing. Watch the trailer on IMDb. Number 33 is, is all over it. Um, at the end of this endless movie, we are expected to believe that the creepy, obsessive, deranged former boyfriend who burns down their house at one point um, just happens to run into the dad in New York City, with those millions of people mixing it up in a gigantic pot of humanity on a daily basis. These two just happened to run into one another? <laughs> no, no. Well, he was wearing that football jersey, so yeah, no, no excuses for this trash. All right, wow, those were some bad choices. Um, but that's what happens when you have so many lists to go through. Uh, along with a good measure of cinematic morbid curiosity. So let's get on to the good stuff. What were the top 10 films that stood out here 
uh, in the month of February. Well, number 10 is from 2022, and it's uh, it's Megan. So um, I often make comments such as, I-, I was in the perfect mood for this, or I watched this at the perfect time. Um, subjective as movies can be from person to person, I also think that they are in some sense of the, they're internally subjective, uh, if you know what I mean. Um, I can imagine watching Megan at another time and disliking it. And uh, it turns out in the, I was in the mood for some uh, sassy killer robot doll action. And, and if that's what you want, then Megan will certainly deliver. It's, it's really just what you think it is. Um, in my opinion, the only real twist is that I don't think Megan's the real villain in the movie at all. Um, I was actually rooting for her. Um, and I'm not, I'm not just saying that to curry favor when the impending AI robot apocalypse begins. I'm, I'm being sincere. So just so they know that. So creepy, especially for those, uh, of us who have a doll problem. And also a lot of fun at times. My favorite sequence involves her chasing Brandon the bully in the woods. That's really good stuff. And and think about that. That's how they're going to chase us down. Uh, well, some of us. Some of you. All right, number nine. Uh, it's a tie. I know I do that every once in a while, but you'll, you'll understand why. Uh, both from 1997, Amazon and Alaska Spirit of the Wild. So two movies here tied for spot number nine this month. Both are nature documentaries, but they are about, you know, polar opposites as far as geographic locations. The Amazon region and Alaska feature breathtaking photographic worlds that are uh, highlight both flora and fauna, amazing plants and, and animals that, that live there. That's what Florin Fawn, well, you knew that. Amazing cinematography brings these harsh environments into your living room with these vivid colors. Um, I was also happy to see that both documentaries uh, took the time to feature the indigenous people who still live off the land uh, without outside interference. Uh, the, the people living on the Amazon are hunting birds with darts that are tipped with the poison curare, and that's how they're hunting. Um, to this day, they also use a variety of plants for medicinal and healing purposes. And, you know, we here at Cinema Wellman heartily enjoys organic remedies. Um, I couldn't choose between the two of those. Uh, both were well worth the watch. Uh, I've been to Alaska and loved it. Uh, and I know that this documentary is as close that I'll ever get to the Amazon. Too many things can kill you there. All right, let's go on to number eight. It's from 1927, and it's titled Underworld. Now, this month, there are a few old movies on the list, uh, including two from 1927. Now, if you like movies, but you don't think you'll like the older movies from, I'm thinking from the 20s and 30s, give a few a shot, and I have a feeling that you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, Let's go to IMDb for synopsis for Underworld. Boisterous gangster kingpin Bullweed rehabilitates his former lawyer from his alcoholic haze, but complications arise when he falls for Weed's girlfriend. First of all, I love the the word kingpin, and how can you not love the name Bullweed? Uh, 
Underworld was directed by the great uh, Joseph von Sternberg, who won an Oscar for Best Writing. Um, this is considered the first ever film noir film, and that's a favorite genre here at Cinema Wellman. So no surprise that this film ended up in February's top 10. Let's go on to number seven. It's from 1967, and it's a British film titled The Whisperers. I had never heard of this film or its star actress, uh, Dame Edith Evans, but Evans was nominated for her Best Actress Oscar, so this was on a list. The list is more often right than wrong, and I am thankful for that. For all the original song uh, nominees that I have to sit through that are really bad movies, there are some gems like this. This was filmed in and around a very bleak-looking Manchester, England in 1968. Uh, the Whisperers tells the story of an elderly woman who's victimized by criminals. The bleakness of Mrs. Ross's Manchester uh, extends into her tiny flat that's expertly decorated with declining years and loneliness in mind. It, it could have been framed as a thriller, but it's very much more a drama about isolation. The black and white photography makes this even more enjoyable visually. This is highly recommended. That is The Whisperers. Number six is from 1984, and it's titled Dangerous Moves. Now, when it comes to chess, I know very little. I know the names of the pieces well enough not to call a rook a castle. I know the directions each piece is allowed to make, and I know that I've never won a game in my life. The list, once again, gets me involved in something I otherwise would have had no interest in seeing. Dangerous Moves won an Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film in 1984. This Swiss film is about two polar opposite chess rivals and a championship match held during the Cold War. Can chess be suspenseful? Yes, chess can be suspenseful. This film is quite excellent. Only other thing I know about chess is what Alonzo Harris told me regarding life in, in Training Day. This shit's chess. It ain't checkers. Let's go to number five from 1962. The film is titled Gigo. I've always been a big fan of Jackie Gleason. I've always thought he was a brilliant comedian with a great sense of comic timing and wonderful facial expressions. Most people know Gleason as Ralph Cramden on The Honeymooners. Uh, that show featured a main set so depressing my sister couldn't watch the show. This is a comedy. Uh, Gleason was amazing as every man Cramden's lovable loser. Things never quite worked out for him, ever. I also think in all seriousness that his portrayal of Sheriff Buford T. Justice in the Smokey and the Bandit series is phenomenal. I am dead serious. Those are great performances. But this film is Gigo, and Gleason lets his face do the talking as he plays a mute janitor who befriends the young daughter of a local prostitute in France. The usual boisterous and gregarious Gleason as a mute is an amazing transformation to see. His performance was Oscar-worthy, in my opinion, but this film's only nomination was for music. The multi-talented Great One also wrote the original story and the music for this film. Jackie Gleason was wonderful. Number four, from 1937, it's The Hurricane. Another one from the Wayback Machine. Uh, this movie won an Oscar for Best Sound, was also nominated for Best Actor, Thomas Mitchell, 
and Best Music. The only reason it wasn't nominated for Best Effects, Best Special Effects, Best best Visual Effects is because there was no such award in 1937, which is a shame. This would have won hands down. Uh, The first year that Oscar was awarded was in 1939. The bad guy, once again, is colonialism. It's the French this time, not the British. And a Polynesian sailor is unjustly imprisoned and relentlessly persecuted by the French governor. The second part of that sentence is paraphrased from the IMDb synopsis in the first part about colonialism. That's just just me. The story is decent, but the real star of this film is the actual hurricane. The effects of this storm are phenomenal. I was utterly gobsmacked by how realistic it was. I read that the set was constructed on a studio back lot over two and a half acres of land, uh, that the effects coordinator spent $150,000 building the set and $250,000 destroying it. The hurricane sequence lasts several minutes and it's heart-pounding action. I was astonished at what they pulled off without CGI. Um, You know, I'm not necessarily anti-CGI, but I really do appreciate when things were done old school and the thrills were earned, not designed. That's all I'll say for now. Number three from 1949 is Crisscross, another crime drama or film noir. And it is one of the favorite genres around here without a doubt. And a noir movie that features a heist and it's an armored truck heist. I am getting in that armored truck. This armored truck heist has an inside man and a love triangle featuring Yvonne, Lily Munster, DiCarlo, Burt Lancaster, and Dan Durier as Slim Dundee. You can't get much more noir than Slim Dundee. And Burt Lancaster did a really nice job in this film. And he he did do quite a few really worthwhile film noirs, if you can find them. Uh, let's go to number two on the list from 2016. It is Mindhorn. And I have to begin with the IMDb synopsis and just go from there because this is so off the wall. Here's what IMDb says. A has-been actor best known for playing the title character in the 1980s detective series Mindhorn must work with police when a serial killer says he will only speak with Detective Mindhorn, whom he believes to be a real person. (laughs) Brilliant. As John Oliver would say, no notes. (laughs) This movie was so much fun on so many levels, but unfortunately hanging over me like a mini dark cloud throughout my enjoyment was thinking that it's only a matter of time until Hollywood takes this and casts Ryan Reynolds in it and remakes it and ruins it. Hollywood has done that to me many times, sad to say. Once I shook that off, this was a delightfully funny British comedy thriller. Julian Barrett plays Richard Thorncroft, who plays Mindhorn, and Barrett's hysterical in this role that seems to have been written for him. Mindhorn is definitely worth 89 minutes of your time some lazy uh, afternoon. Trust me on this one. And that brings us to number one, and it is from 1927, and it is Napoleon. Talk about an oldie. This epic historical biopic 
from director Abel Gantz is truly a cinematic masterpiece. Napoleon utilized handheld cameras, featured split screen, tri-screens, was shot in widescreen, uh, employed multiple exposures and colorized frames to help tell the tale. It was the first film to include a soundtrack. This was made in 1927. Gantz shot over 290 hours of film, and there are several versions of this film over the years. When it premiered in 1927, you could have seen a nine-hour version. I've read that there's a seven-hour version that may be available in the States at some point this year. Then there's the five-and-a-half-hour version and the short four-hour version. I was able to screen the five-and-a-half-hour version. This film is silent. But the music is so majestic. I watched this at the height of my recent insomnia, and it had gotten so bad that I started this at 10 o'clock one night, knowing that it wouldn't be over until 3.30 a.m. That's knowing your insomnia. In any event, I was so happy to have checked off this box. I have been looking for this film for a very long time. Napoleon was the very last film on my cult movie list which is made up of the list of four different cult movie books. It was also the last film that was in both the cult movie books and the must-see movie book. Inclusion in both was well-deserved. This was a cinematic experience that was worth the wait. The final sequence is a tri-color, tri-screen, the blue, white, and red, the blue, blanc, et rouge of the French flag. That will blow you away even after five and a half hours. This was mind-blowing. Unbelievable. Well, that's it. That's it for the best and worst of the month. Hopefully there's something that you want to check out for yourself or avoid. And it's all good. Um, all the platforms I use are listed on the blog. As always, you can find that at cinemawellman.com. Uh, join us here next week at Cinema Wellman when we will submit our Oscar ballot. We're going to pretend the Academy is allowing us to vote. We'll go through every category and explain our choices, which is more than the Academy ever does. And we hope that you will join us for that. Until then, take care.